0: Hide your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where, where it hurts. It Complete with breaking news, rash news, opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. It's your favorite degenerates. The Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always. By my partner in crime, Chad Sowash. And today, we are just giddy to welcome Jeffrey Shapiro, Senior Director of TA at RadNet. Also, he's founding member of Hacking HR and HR on the House Club. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. I was disappointed that RadNet was not some cool gaming company. It's radiology. <laughs> so... Uh, your days must be exciting.
0: It's only life-saving. That's it.
1: Yeah, it's actually money-making, what Jeff does. It's good.
0: I
2: love that we're trivializing healthcare, so thank you. <laughs>
1: the jokes will still be funny in hell, Jeff, I promise.
2: <laughs> I promise. Very true. Listen, I'm proud to be a degenerate today, so let's do it.
0: Woohoo. Excellent. Well, a little bit about you, Jeff. Little long walks on the beach. What do you like? Will you get a little background? How'd you get into RadNets? Not to mention, have you been ghosted lately?
2: I was actually ghosted this week by a TA partner we extended an offer to. Wow. I get it. They disclosed it was my offer and another. The other was a unicorn organization that they have been wanting to work at their entire life. So Uh I'm anticipating they got that offer, but the ghosting just disappearing without an answer kind of shocked me. What do I like to do? So I have a one-year-old golden retriever, uh, two daughters that are nine and six and they dominate my wife and my social calendar we basically are at their beck and call riding driving them around to gymnastics ballet etc so i do not lead a very fun life i am a hardcore sports fan uh, my my brace won the world series this year tuned out on the nfl this year and gave up the nba a very long time ago
1: fair enough he loves baseball I do. Everything else can suck it.
0: So enough about you already, Jeffrey Jesus. Uh, let's get into uh, today's topic. Today's topic being ghosting, and and we're always talking about how candidates, especially right now, are ghosting us. But where did they learn this from, Jeffrey? Where did they learn this from?
2: I don't know that it's learned so much as part of upbringing. I, I'm in general, and we'll go way off topic here. Okay. I just think human nature, the respect for others, the respect for other people's lives in general uh-huh. is not what it used to be. And nobody thinks about like long-term repercussions. It's humans are selfish. I'm in it for me. What's in it for me? This doesn't fit my narrative. I'm moving on. In,
1: in fairness, it's an uncomfortable situation sometimes. Telling people no can be uncomfortable. I'm told no all the time. I'm sure it's uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm sure it's uncomfortable.
0: I don't think so. I think they're like, no.
1: Yeah. So Je- Jeffrey had a really hot LinkedIn take recently. And yeah, a hot take. Uh, I- I'll read it if it's okay for our listeners to get a real feel for what we're talking about. So Jeffrey posted on LinkedIn ghosted candidates are not going to pursue opportunities with your organization in the future. They're also not going to be a customer of yours. This thing got 2,000 plus likes
0: and almost 200 comments. It was hot. So right now, Jeffrey, I mean, this is an issue because we have problems finding candidates for the most part, right? This was also an issue two years ago when we weren't having problems finding candidates. So why is the topic surfacing now? Why does it matter now when it should have mattered back then?
2: Agree, it should always matter. I I think it matters now more because recruiting, retention, engagement is at the tip of all C-suite executives' lips right now.
0: Mm -hmm. It
2: it is a focal point. There is more time being spent on it. There are more dollars being put into it. And everybody's really just measuring anything and everything they can to just move that needle in any direction to become more competitive, to fill positions faster, to retain people longer, Mm -hmm. to get more people to apply. Even on the corporate TA side, the focus is shifting from not looking at how many people apply, but outbound recruiting, getting your corporate TA recruiters more in the mindset of going out and pursuing people because nobody's applying anymore. Everybody's going to kind of go back to basics and really cold call, solicit and actively source screen and recruit. Like Mm -hmm. recruiters have to recruit now. Right. There's nowhere to hide.
0: So the way that, the way that I see it, and and I know it's not just one individual, but this is a leadership problem. Talent acquisition for years should have been able to fully understand the negative impact to the overall brand and business. Meaning that, you know, just first and foremost, if you treat candidates like shit and you ghost them or they go into a black hole, then more than likely they're not going to want to work to, with your, your organization or buy your stuff, right? And I think that's it's, it's a very compelling narrative and or discussion that you can have with your CRO your CMO, your CEO to demonstrate just how important talent is. First and foremost, you can't make the product or provide the service without having talent in those seats. I mean, that's that's number one and that's core to the, to the business. But then also beyond that, if you start pissing millions of people off, they're not going to buy your product. So Is this the time right now where TA starts to collect their backbone and they start going into the C-suite and they start making their business case?
2: I hope so. I really do. I think the origin here probably comes from a business model where a business model would be bad customers are better than no customers. You have no customers, you're not in business. You have bad customers, you're still in business. Mm -hmm. But when you're on the talent side, a bad candidate is not better than than no candidate, a bad candidate experience will equal no candidates. Yes. So, I mean, TA only, you can measure infinite amount of things. I am hopeful, cautiously optimistic that the one of the responses to what is happening in the world now is more people will start to measure the actual candidate experience. I, I don't think enough organizations are doing it. There's very easy, low-hanging fruit ways to do it. But I think this is the direction that we are going down. We need TA to embrace the partner model, moving away from open rec fill it, open rec fill it, to have those difficult conversations with their partners and operations and let them know when you do this, this is the downstream effect. The candidate gets mad at the recruiter, the recruiter wants to salvage the relationship with the candidate and hiring manager. Recruiter is not selling hiring manager down the river by telling the candidate, hey, sorry, it took the manager four days to get back to me. They're the ones saying, oh, my God, I'm so sorry you slipped through the cracks. I forgot about you. It's my fault because you don't want to ruin that relationship. But we still need to teach hiring managers that these, at the end of it all are all humans the job seeker is a human and every single one of them are a potential customer for the business that you work for.
0: Yeah, but what we need to do is we need to demonstrate how it, imp- it impacts revenue because that's how we're going to move the C-suite. So talking about how the nice fluffy way of how we treat humans, at the, I mean, nobody gives a shit. Hiring managers don't give a shit. If they did, they would treat people better. But if we demonstrate how it's impacting revenue negatively and how that position open. Every single day costs money, whatever that number is, then we could have a much different outcome at that point. Don't you Don't you think?
2: 100% agree. Uh, one of the things we have tried to quantify, it's still a work in progress, is what is the cost or lost revenue of having that position open? Oh, yeah. Starting with, look how many overtime hours you are burning through, going through your budget. You're, you're paying 8,000 hours of overtime a month. Why don't we back? Why don't we pull that back? Uh, what's your FTE headcount? Negative implication in my world. So diagnostic imaging of not having, let's pick a mammography tech. Not having a mammo check in that one site means twenty procedures per day, seven days a week It's one hundred forty procedures every week, which comes out to what five hundred sixty procedures a month by that one person. There you go. Being missed on billing, like that's now. Then you start to say, what is the average reimbursement for a screening based on the payer mix? And there's just so many different ways to look at it, but showing that type of data is what gets people accountable to, okay, had an interview, better follow up with my TA partner within 24 hours of this interview. That way, they can get back to the candidate as quickly as possible. And now we're moving to the hiring velocity, like where are the pitfalls? Where are we slowing down?
0: Right, And I can
2: tell anybody on this podcast right now, if you're measuring hiring velocity, you are never slowed down by a recruiter. It is never. It's never recruiters. Recruiters want to talk to candidates. They want to talk to the hiring managers. You are being slowed down by the follow-up from your hiring manager or the candidate having multiple offers, bird in hand, hey, I got your offer. I just interviewed here. I still think that I'm going to get another offer there. And then what do you want to do as an organization? Do you want to say, here's my offer? It's an an exploding offer. If you don't respond within X amount of time, we're going to move on. What is that for an experience? But you still need to listen to the business. So do you be a human and say, okay, get back to me by the end of the day Friday? Like, There's so many things that you need to measure and figure out, and there's no one size fits all. Like, every business, every industry, every organization, different sizes. But the one thing you've got to start doing is looking at how do you want to fix your experience? Where are you going to do it? How are you going to measure it, and what's the plan to make it a little bit better?
1: Well, we love recruiters and companies that walk the walk. Uh, so you touched on it here, and I, by the way, I love the fact that you're so so focused on this, and you're not a a typical sort of service industry, right? Like you're not that customer facing, like a restaurant or something of that nature. So, mm-hmm. so what does Radnet do? What tools does it use? What protocols to make sure that, that candidates don't fall through the cracks and get ghosted? What do you do? Put the mirror on you.
2: So our our tools are very remedial. Our TA tech stack is horrible. We use ADP. My TA partners send me manual reports every week, every month, every quarter. We're in the process of RFP upgrading the TA tech stack, some other technology to sit on top of a new ats CRM, um, But... Something we have internally is from our IT department, they built something called Radar. Uh, So think about organizations in any industry that reach out to their customers in our world patients with reminders to schedule appointments or at target a sale. So that's what Radar is for us. We use Radar to NPS. We're not using it yet, but it's coming out very quickly. We're gonna use Radar to NPS measure our candidate experience For those who don't know NPS, you've you've participated before, zero to 10, how likely are you to X, Y, and Z? So we're coming up with a three question, zero to 10 scale, zero to 10, how easy was it to apply for your position? Zero to 10, how would you rate your overall interview experience? Zero to 10, how likely are you to recommend opportunities at this organization to friends and family members? So that is one thing we're gonna start doing. My TA partners, Sorry, I can go on on. Um, but I see I
1: you're, you're stone age. You're stone age based on yeah. uh, what we typically yeah. talk about on the show. So, so my question then is, uh, if you can do it with stone, you know stones and uh, stones and rocks, uh, anyone should be able to do it. Is it your sense, with so much technology, so much automation, so much out there to make sure ghosting doesn't happen? Is it your sense, particularly in the organizations uh, that you serve in the HR, do you think it's getting better? Or with all these tools, is it still a horrible ghosting problem?
2: I think it's not getting better. I think it's still horrible. I think many people have a mindset that technology is, is the fix. Technology is not the fix. It's the human is the fix. Technology is there for the human. If the human is not using it properly or even using it, I mean, in reality, how many organizations pay for tools that never get used? So it's you're you're a carpenter building a house technology is just one of your tools to build that house you still need the human yeah candidates still want to talk to humans so no matter what you automate you still have a human-to-human interaction
0: no matter what so let, let's talk a little bit more about the tech stack. Uh, we, 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 I think we have the, the stones kind of like a, an arrows a conversation on one side. And then we have, you know, way too much tech on the other side where some companies are spending so much on point solutions, uh, that are layered in. They're not integrated. Recruiters pay hell just to use all of the tools that they're provided. The question is, what should an organization do to move forward to ensure in a couple of different areas. First and foremost, you have a great recruiter experience because if you don't have a great recruiter experience and it's a pain in the ass, you're probably going to have to be looking for new recruiters soon. Turnover is going to suck because their job sucks. And then on the other side, the job seeker experience. Out of your whole stones and arrows kind of scenario right now, what would you do differently if you could? What's, what's utopia look like?
2: So the buzz term out there is an effortless experience. Everybody's using it. I want to know that it is as easy as possible for anybody that is interested in my organization to let me know. I think about all the different technologies out there for job seekers where they have to register to then physically apply. Why? Like, why can't I just give you my LinkedIn profile? Why can't I just send my resume? Resume parsers are terrible. They never work. Make it as easy as possible. Talk to the person as quickly as possible. How great is it? Like everybody relies on automation. Automation's great. I, I acknowledge I've received your application. Great. I applied on the 14th and I got an email three minutes later. It's automated saying we got your application. Right. But then nobody physically picked up the phone and called me until the 20th. It's six days later. I'm not having a great experience. It didn't matter how easy it was for me to apply. Again, we need the human. We don't need the technology. Why didn't that person respond to me? So we got to start looking at, and it's really the recruiters. Is it time management? I think too many recruiters are thrown into the job without proper training. They're not given strategies and tactics. They, I think that when I stumbled into recruiting on day one, it was like, here's this list, call as many people as you can, and don't leave until you've made your 100 calls for the day and document it. Right. No one really sat down until I was much further in my career, and I started admiring from afar others asking questions. So no one really gives recruiters training. Like there's no college degree to become a recruiter. There's no certification course. It's just
0: try by fire.
2: Right. Someone gets thrown into it. Someone stumbles into it. No one really sets out saying, I want to be a recruiter. And then recruiters are put in positions that are performance-based. We measure everything. I am obsessed with data. We measure everything that we get so focused on the data that we often leave out the narrative. I made my call, I'm not even listening to this person because right away, the first thing they said was not interested, I'm not even going to get to the cell of trying to talk them in my value proposition, give them my elevator pitch, because I need to make my 50 calls for the day. Right. Everybody just needs to slow down and remember that every person we're interacting with is a human being, and then every single one of them is potentially a customer. If I have a bad candidate experience somewhere, how likely am I? to then want to support that organization as a customer. Right. So I we all have unicorn organizations and I have a unicorn organization that I had a horrible experience with that they're no longer a unicorn of mine. Like forever I have had a dream of working at organization X. And based on one interaction I've had at organization X, I'm just done with them. They're no longer my unicorn.
0: So how do we how do we change this narrative and discussion? How do we take all of these data points because again, as everybody looks at all the rest of the organization and they feel like HR and TA is the redheaded stepchild. Well, that, there's a reason behind that. It's because you haven't been able to make a case. You haven't been able to demonstrate how you actually impact the business. So the question is, how do we start to, as a profession and maybe just as groups first, right? So maybe it's grassroots, who the hell knows, but TA leaders, how do we get them to think more businesslike versus transactional day to day, making sure that your recruiters are in the trenches. H- how do we how do we change this?
2: I mean, you, you said something super profound. More businesslike, and I would tell anybody in TA, it is worth the time to take a day away from recruiting and sit in on meetings, really observe the business, learn what your company does in and out ask questions talk to different department leaders like i think mentorship is phenomenal i i tell everybody that i've ever come into contact with mentorship is amazing the best thing you can do is find a mentor that has nothing to do with your job oh yeah greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you the information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers i know most people don't like ads. A mentor that works for your company in a leadership role that is not part of your department will have tremendous value on you.
0: Well, and I think I think you have to do this real quick, though. You have to, whenever you're sitting with those those individuals, you have to understand how you are impacting, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, whether it's product, whether it's developers, right? How are you directly impacting those departments? And if you don't get great talent into those seats how's that going to impact the bottom line in all those different areas, right? That's not something that we think about. We look at numbers, we look at seats to fill, but we don't go past that into the actual business impact.
2: Yeah, this is turning behaviors into actions. Like you gotta be selfish. You have to be consumed with your world, but then with a lot of integrity and accountability, you need to speak up, raise that flag and talk against the bad behavior and that's hard it's really hard to be the voice of opposition in a room. But if you've built your brand as in who you are, your behaviors dictate your personality, when you are raising that flag and calling bullshit on something,
0: the
2: receiver should know that you are not attacking them so much as identifying a problem and trying to find a solution. I am not calling out manager Jane Smith for consistently not giving feedback I am reminding Jane Smith, hey, here's why I need that feedback. And then we're going to kick into escalation. Like if we're going to talk to Jane one-on-one, like we are coming to you without problem. If it remains an issue, I'm going to be going to your leader. Hey, we've done X, Y, and Z. I need your help. I think you understand how important getting an uh, interview feedback and scorecard in a timely manner is, but Jane Smith consistently is not giving it to me. By the way, let's take a look at Jane Smith's hiring manager batting average. And she's losing more new hires than anybody else.
0: Why are we more transparent though? The CEO should see all this to be able to demonstrate how all of this is actually creating a supply chain management fiasco.
2: I think people are just scared.
0: Get a backbone, man.
2: Yeah. We started this by saying, like, somewhere along the line, we were talking about how saying no is difficult. Like, saying no to someone you don't know A job seeker is difficult. Imagine it being in a room and like having to say no to somebody face to face. It's so much easier over a phone, over a text, over an email. This is why it goes back to those behaviors. The integrity and accountability is huge. Like we need to physically speak up and say we can't keep doing this. Like quote Einstein in that definition of insanity. Like how do you expect it to get better if we're not willing
0: to do anything different?
1: Speaking of backbone, can we talk about my poll for a second?
0: No. You mean the poll that you've been writing for, I don't know, the last couple of weeks? We, we
1: have so many polls to talk about, but I'm going to talk about a specific poll of <laughs> okay. uh, a question I asked on on LinkedIn, which was what percentage of uh, employers deal with ghosting from candidates? Uh, zero to 10, 40% of employers deal with ghosting. Uh, 10 to 25% of their candidates Uh, ghosting them that was 35 percent of employers 25 to 50 was 17 percent of employers and 50 plus getting ghosted uh is nine percent of employers my question is jeff with so much ghosting from candidates and i know you're not a, a shrink but is there something something psychological with employers that make them say well if candidates don't give a shit why should we give a shit and if so how do they overcome that mentality
2: the mentality. Yes, I think you're right to answer your question. The mentality is, candidates don't owe you anything. Like, who cares if they ghost me? That's on them. Like, I might remember who they are. It might impact them long term. My bias will kick in. I I will remember that you disappeared on me. Now I have my own bias. Does that really change if you could do this job or not? So candidates don't owe us anything. They could do what they want. The recruiter, the recruiter represents that organization. They can't just disappear on somebody because their actions have repercussions. They have downstream negative effects. Like, if that candidate wants to ghost my TA manager, fine. Like, that candidate's still going to find a job somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But if my TA manager ghosts a candidate, that's a much bigger problem than someone applying to a job, going on an interview, and we can't get a hold of them to extend an offer. Right. If that happens. You also have people who accept an offer and then disappear. I call this phantom attrition accepted offers never started that happens now more than ever. Wow. Either, either way, no matter what I would say, like to your poll, my answer would be who cares? Because a candidate doesn't <laughs> owe me
1: anything. Tons of people that's care what... about my polls, Jeffrey. Tons of people care.
2: If I had to write in what percentage of candidates go to you, don't care. Like don't that, care. That's, that's what it is.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and you're saying pretty much what every female said in college.
1: No, oh, that's not cool. That's not cool. Uh,
0: curious, curious
1: on, on your on your uh, on your share that you did on LinkedIn. Somebody brought up the point of sharing, uh, and it strikes me as something relevant that if you ghost someone, they're going to tell friends, and that bad experience is going to be compounded. Uh, some studies say between seven and ten people that you tell. Is that your experience? And, um, you know, what, what words of caution would you say to someone that thinks, oh, it's just isolated to one person?
2: I think about like myself as a consumer, how forget myself, just think about Yelp and how the whole entire platform is given a voice to someone who doesn't want to have that awkward conversation in the restaurant. My hamburger was undercooked. I said nothing while I was there. But the second I got home, I went on Yelp and talked about how my hamburger was undercooked. I'm never going back there. And it's because it's just so much easier to hide behind that computer than have the difficult conversation. Sure. So the whole, th- the whole thing is set up for negative, has a much larger voice than positive. So if you gave somebody a negative experience, you can almost guarantee they are shouting it at the mountaintops. To anybody and everybody. This place made me go through four interviews and then they disappeared on me. I sent my application, the recruiter responded to me that they would follow up with me by the end of the day. It's 10 days later, I haven't heard back. Like, job seekers are now at-mentioning, like, cancel, cancel culture. Job seekers are at-mentioning the recruiters on social and the organizations. Like, there is a, a near and dear, I think everybody here knows Amy Miller. She was recently bashed and tagged by someone saying, like, Look at you spending all your company time at mentioning the company she worked for, arguing with me on LinkedIn. I don't think your CEO would like that.
0: Everybody's dunking. Everybody's yeah. dunking. Well, I mean, in some cases, you know, Amy probably didn't give a shit, to be quite frank. You know, it's like she's not worried because she's doing her job and she's doing it well. Yep. Um, but there, there are consequences. So you can call it cancel culture or you can call it consequence culture. Uh, if it is something that matters. Okay, great. If it isn't, it doesn't. So who gives a shit, right? It's like your, I don't care, you know, box for me. That's a, I don't, I don't give a shit. But what I do give a shit about is we still have recruiters that are out there and somebody actually posted on the flip side that if somebody reneges on an accepted offer by ghosting, they will most likely be put on a do not hire list. How how can we be so ivory tower that we treat candidates like shit and we throw them into you know a, a corner and feed them you know and, and, and feed them shit, but yet but yet when they treat us the same way, we have a problem with it and we put them on a list. I mean, I, this yeah. to me is more of an ivory tower kind of scenario that we can't afford right now or really ever.
2: It's it's definitely ego. Ego is definitely there. I love your do not hire list reference because i think about like hiring managers that will say hey i know this person not I, I know this person i went to school with them at the beginning of our career 10 years ago not interested and immediately it's are you the same person today that you were 10 years ago <laughs> i'm not even i'm not even the same person i was a year ago let yes. alone 10 years ago
0: yeah, like, yeah, yeah can
2: we can we just like do not hire lists can we i know organizations use them how often are you auditing them? Like what's the statute of limitations when you're there? Is it permanent? Like if I go, if I declined your offer, yeah. you are so mad at me now that no matter what, you're never going to think about me again. Like think about that as a candidate experience. Like I was a new grad out of college. I declined your offer because when I'm coming out of college, I'm chasing that money. And yes, your your position may have offered me better long-term career growth, but this Other organization offered me $3 more per hour. Of course I was taking that. Now it's five years later. I'm no longer a new grad. I've perfected my craft, and I want to add to you. Like You are the best in class at whatever you do as a company, Mm -hmm. and now you're not going to hire me because I said no to you that one time forever ago. That's just insane to me that people do that.
1: Curious a little bit about definition, and um, I, pe- to, people who listen to the show know that my 15-year-old son is uh, applying to jobs, and we had an experience where we showed up for the interview, and the uh, the employer was not prepared, was not ready. We're, we weren't on the schedule to be interviewed, and we ended up waiting 30 minutes and eventually left, right? Uh, to me, that is that ghosted? Is that worse than being ghosted? Because we had actually had to make a trip down there. What's your definition of ghosting? And is that ghosting? I
2: don't think that's ghosting so much as somewhere along the line human error. Somebody told him to show up at that interview and then on the back end had some sort of brain blockage where they didn't throw it on a calendar. They never confirmed. Like human error happens. But the fact that they missed on you were there, they are hiring, you were an applicant to say, oh my God, so sorry. But this is where we go backwards. We talked about the recruiter falling on the sword. If the recruiter is physically in the building, the recruiters come out. This is my fault. Do not blame the manager because most likely the manager just didn't want to interview that day, whatever it is. But I don't call that ghosting so much as somebody made a mistake.
1: The negativity is the same, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Your son was a customer. Your son was a customer. Used if to be. Your son was a customer who who wanted to buy something. Someone would have come out and apologized. Hey we know that this was supposed to be delivered for in-store pickup, but we're not ready. We're sorry. We made a mistake. They would have apologized to him if he was a customer. Great point. They didn't think of him as a customer. They let him sit there. They let you walk out. No one came out to check on you, to apologize for the wait. That just could have been handled so differently. Like who could have swapped in just to save face? This person's here. They applied. It wasn't on the calendar. So manager A isn't available. Where's the assistant manager? Where's a lead? Where's somebody to spend time with this person to thank them for coming in? And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it brought me to thank. I have a candidate experience, tidbit of knowledge to share with anybody. Sure. You know, we talk about candidates sometimes send thank you letters, and we can go on and on on if that's a pro, if it's a con, if it's a net neutral. Right. But candidates send thank you letters. You want to change your candidate experience? Why don't you thank the candidate 24 hours later? via email, thank you for coming in, taking your time to allow us, Organization A, the opportunity to talk to you about the position and opportunities here at the company. Now they get your offer and an identical offer for just about identical money. Who are they feeling more warm and fuzzy about? I'm seen as a human at one place, the other place I am not. I will probably go where they reached out to me to thank me for my time. So start start sending your candidates thank you letters. Very easy, very human, you don't need technology
0: be human and start building business cases. And last but not least talent acquisition leaders get a goddamn spine and get into those uncomfortable places. Because guess what? Those are the conversations that happen in the C-suite. If you don't want to have uncomfortable conversations, then go ahead and turn in a resignation because you're not the right person for that gig. Jeffrey Shapiro, senior director of talent acquisition at RadNet. Jeffrey, we appreciate you coming on the show, man. If, People want, I don't know, that maybe they want to come work for you because now they fell in love with you. Who knows? Uh, where would they find you? Where can they connect with you? Uh, tell them.
2: Basically, any various social platform, uh, I go by Jeffrey W. Shapiro. So you you can find me that.
0: So you go by W. That's awesome. W.
2: Well, I, honestly, <laughs> I, I grew up with another Jeffrey Shapiro in my hometown. So somewhere along the line, my father beat it in me to just professionally use your middle initial and forever. I think it was, you don't have a college degree, your middle initial makes you sound more professional. Start using (laughs) it professionally. I started doing that. Then it just never went away. Like I'm not redoing all my social profiles.
1: It works. Another one in the can, Chad. There we go. Time for a beer. We out.
3: We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The cheese Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast and now available on YouTube.